All this uh, year, we've been in a sermon series called Forward in Faith, and we've been taught on, we're teaching on what it means to be a disciple, not just a, someone who believes in Jesus, but actually a follower of Jesus Christ. And we've seen how God's goal for us, God's purpose for us, God's destiny for you, if you want to know your purpose and your destiny, and Romans 8 tells us that, that it's to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's your destiny. That's what God is doing. That's the purpose of everything you're doing. God works it all together for your good, and he goes on and tells us what that good is, that we might be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. And then he wants us to help others, others help become like Jesus too. And we need to move forward. We need to be constantly moving forward in growth and maturing, putting away childish things, becoming more like the Lord, and becoming not just disciples, but then disciple makers. And we get this truth from Jesus himself right before he ascended into heaven. He told his disciples in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, go and make disciples. Go and make disciples of all the nations. By the way, nations is ethnos, ethnic, from which we get the word ethnic or ethnicity. It's of all people groups. Go and make disciples of all people groups, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Jesus wants you to be a believer. Jesus wants you to be a disciple. And Jesus wants you to be a disciple maker. And we've talked about how to do that personally, how to do that one-on-one -on -one with people. We've talked for, I talked for a couple of weeks about how to disciple your family how to help your children and how spouses, how to help each other grow in your faith. If you didn't hear those messages, those sermons, I, I encourage you to go back and, and listen to them and, and, and because discipleship begins uh, in the family. And, and today I want to expand on that. There's one-on-one -on -one discipleship, there's family discipleship, but within the church there's, there's two big ways we can be involved in becoming a disciple and in making disciples. And that's through small groups and through ministry teams. We're going to be talking about ministering and ministry teams in the future. So today, I'm bridging a sermon entitled, Small Groups Make a Big Impact. Small Groups Make a Big Impact. Now listen, our church is multi-ethnic, multi-generational, and we're, we have all kinds of people from all walks of life, and there's people with all different kinds of issues, spiritual issues, emotional issues, family issues, relational issues, financial issues, work ad issues, addictions, or life-controlling problems. There's people who are lonely, hurting, or grieving, and there's people who are successful, happy, and fulfilled, and all of us have all different kinds of needs. It's one of my prayers every week in free service prayer. God, you know who's going to be here. We don't know all their needs, but you do. And could you somehow, Lord, by your spirit, meet everybody at their point of need? It could be overwhelming to think that we could know everybody's needs. We, we, we can't. And we can't preach to every need every week. But somehow the Holy Spirit ministers to each one at their point of need. It's an awesome thing. We're not even, even aware of our own needs sometimes. And so, you know, there's pressure sometimes in, as a minister, as a pastor, how can I minister to all these different needs simultaneously? And that problem is not new. It goes all the way back to the early church in, in Acts, uh, and, and they were able to meet needs in that church in Jerusalem. They had major needs, but the church was able to meet them. I mean, they have major persecution 
And, and, and we're just starting to see the beginning of it here in America. And I, I pray you get ready for it because, you know, we've, those of us who grew up in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and all that, and the Jesus people movement and all those times, I mean, it was awesome. And, and, and it was, but we're coming into a time when people are mocking faith, turning from the faith, and turning on people of faith. And that was what was happening in that time in Jerusalem. But so these people really hung together and lived life together. And, and here's how they met needs. Acts 2, 42 through 47 tells us. They devoted themselves. How devoted are you to these things? To the apostles' teaching. They devoted themselves to fellowship, relationship with each other. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to everyone as he had need. In our culture, at, our, at this time, it may come to that, but right now we're, we're able to give to, to benevolence funds and things like that. So then when people do have needs, like I mentioned this morning, we're able to help them meet those needs. Every day, every day, you, you get... You know, the average church member goes to church 1.8 times a month, two times a month. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together, something that we used to do a lot growing up. I don't see as much anymore, but used to. We had people over all the time after church, or we went to people's houses, and we were always breaking bread together. They, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Praising God, enjoying favor, the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Wow. The secret of the growth of the New Testament church included not just obvious things like prayer and teaching and signs and wonders and worship, but also fellowshipping, gathering in each other's homes, gathering in small groups and meeting each other's needs in those groups. So I'm going to talk about 10 ways real quick. I'm going to go quick. And so you can hope you can keep up with me. 10 ways that small groups make a big impact. Number one, small groups make a big, made a big impact in the early church. I just showed you that. As a result of their faith and their fellowship, people were filled with awe. Their needs were met. And people came to faith every day as they witnessed the church in action. It's because this, the early church had what I call 2020 vision. And I get it from Acts 2020 where Paul said, I kept nothing back that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, small groups, the families and small groups. So it's crystal clear here that Christian ministry doesn't just happen in church service. It does happen in church service. It happened this morning in a powerful way, but also in homes and families and, and in small groups. Are you laying hands on your kids when they get sick? Are you praying them to, at home for them to be saved? Are you praying at night? Are, are you worshiping at, at home together? Your family is a, is a type of a small group. But the, the, they met this early church in homes and in small groups. And small groups made a big impact in the early church, and they still make a big impact today. The pattern has not changed. We kind of got away from small groups during COVID, and now we're having to start again. It's almost like starting over and, and building from scratch again. But that's why we're doing this, because we believe in it so much. Small groups have always been a big part of our church. Secondly, small groups made a big impact in the ministry of Jesus. I want to remind you, Jesus 
had a small group. They were called the disciples. Jesus had a group of 12 that he poured his life into. He had the crowds that he preached to, but he had a small group too. So we are to be involved in the crowd. That's like Sunday morning worship, but also in a, a small group. And, and, and some people think they don't need a small group. But if you're a Christian, remember, you're being conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, right? Amen. Jesus had a small group. Amen. Jesus was part of a small group. And if small groups were the way, one of the main ways of making and forming disciples in the New Testament, could it be that the same method should be used today? Small groups were a big deal to Jesus, and they still are. The pattern has not changed. Number three, small groups make a big impact because people need a place to belong. People need a place to belong. I, when I was younger, I used to say it all the time, I don't need anybody. I, don't need, I really don't need anybody. But we all need other people. We all need, as I've grown up, as I've matured, we all, I've learned, we all need relationships and friendships. By the way, do you know, actually, it's unscriptural to say we don't need anyone else. The fact is, God created us, created us to need each other. We see that all the way back in Genesis, when God created everything, and day after day, when God created, he said, this is good, this is good, wow, this is good. However, in Genesis 2.18, for the first time in the Bible, God says something was not good. He looked down on Adam and his creation, and the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I'm going to make a helper, helper suitable for him. Now think about this amazing announcement. Adam lived in a perfect world. No sin, no crime, no pollution, no disease, no war, no sin. That was all good. He had everything he could possibly want or need. He enjoyed intimate fellowship with God. He kind of ruled and reigned over everything in that garden. He walked and talked in perfect fellowship with God. That was all good. Yet in the midst of all this goodness, the Lord God said, it's not good for man to be alone. Because God created us for human, the need for, with the need for human relationship. So it's biblically incorrect to say, I don't need anybody, or even God is all we need. Now listen, I know I love those songs, God is all we need, and, and I get it, I love to sing the song, but, but technically God created us with other needs. He created us with a need to eat and to sleep and to, and to drink water and to have proper nutrition and oxygen to breathe. And he created us to need other people. In fact, in the church, in 1 Corinthians 12, the, the, the Bible compares us to, to a body. We are, we are one body. And it says in 1 Corinthians 12, 20 through 21, there are, indeed, there are indeed many members, yet one body. Listen, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No one in the body of Christ can say to another one in the body of Christ, I have no need of you. In other words, the Bible says you need others in the body of Christ. We all do. God created us to need each other. And so although it's incorrect to say God is all we need, it's correct to say that God is the one who meets all our needs. However, he designed it somehow, somehow that, that he meets some of his needs through other people. The Almodovars, they had a financial need. They prayed for God to help them meet that need. And one of the ways God met that need was through the giving of some of the people in our church. 
He didn't just throw money out of the, out of the sky. Usually God does some of his best work through other people. And that requires us to be in loving relationships. And it's so hard in our culture these days to build lasting relationships in, in, in our easy to unfriend, defriend, the cancel culture. I mean, it's so easy to wipe people off out of your life and, and just have nothing to do with them anymore. That is, it is so sad to me that, if, 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 that people are to the place where if you don't agree with them on every single issue, they can't be your friend anymore. What? But we've got to learn in the church, we've got to be different. And we've got to learn how to build relationships. We want to help facilitate that process. And part of that process is small groups. And we want to help you because it's not good for you to be alone. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says, Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. If one falls down, his friend can help him up. But pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. And if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. You see three things just in these couple of verses here that relationship provide. Relationships provide somebody to pick you up when you're down. Who's there to help you get back up when you fall or when you're down? Who's there for you? Who's there to help protect you? Who's there to help you have the warmth of friendship and relationship? Listen, the Bible constantly underscores the, the, the importance of relationship because God designed us for community. C- community is more than just the neighborhood you live in or the town you live in. It's about friendship. It's about communing with people. It's about relationship with people. It's about friendship. It's about connecting with people. And without community, life is not as much fun. It's not as fulfilling. Have you ever seen a, been in a football stadium uh, when, the, when the, back, say, when the Cowboys were winning? You ever go to their games back when they used to win games? I know, I know. Hey, hey, stop it. I've been a fan for, since Tom Landry days. They haven't won nothing in 35 years. But can you imagine, you've you seen the end of the game and, and, and the last minute field goal and your team wins and everybody goes crazy and jumping and shouting and high-fiving. You know, you know what I'm talking about? Could you imagine if there was only one person in the stadium when that happened? One person <laughs> high-fiving themselves. It wouldn't be as much fun, would it? You, I mean, when I'm watching a big game, I want somebody over to my house, especially if I'm watching like, you know, Dallas versus, versus Philadelphia or New York or the hated Washington, whatever they're called now. I mean... You know, you want somebody from that team so you can rag on them and razz them during the game in case the Cowboys might win that game. I mean, so they can win in the NFC. Usually they can beat those teams because they're the worst teams in the league. I don't know why I'm ragging on the Cowboys today. I wasn't. You know what I'm doing? I'll tell you what I'm doing. And I had no intention of sharing this today, but I'm trying to manage my expectations <laughs> because training camp is coming up in just a couple of weeks. And I'm already feeling that, okay, maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year. I've been saying it for 35 years, and then my hopes are dead. I'm trying to manage my, my expectations. What was I talking about? Anyway, oh, life is more fun when you have other people to, to share it with. 
So build relationships. And you can't really do it in a crowd of 200 or 2,000 or 20,000. It, it takes a small group. Small groups make a big impact because it helps you build relationships. Number four, small groups make a big impact because people need prayer and support. Effective small groups pray together and pray for each other. Who wouldn't want six or seven or other people praying for them every week? And when you're part of a small group, you pray for others and others pray for you and you share your life together, you know, what you're going through and, 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 and you pray for each other and, and you might be in the middle of a tough time now. Who's praying for you? It's so good to have support of other people. I, I have a small group. It's the longest existing, longest running small group in the life of this church. Uh, Jerry, you've been with it since the beginning. How long have we been going? Somewhere between 15 and 20 years, somewhere in there. The small group has existed. It's a group for men. We meet on Monday mornings at 7 o'clock in the kitchen, and we, we pray together. And, and the, the first part of the hour, we, we just share what we're, what's going on in our lives real quick. And here's what's going on. Here's a praise report. Hey, I had a great trip to Cancun. It was awesome. Thank God for it. Thanks for praying that I would be safe and we would have a great time. Uh, and then here's something you could pray for with my kids or my finances or in, in the church. And we have shared life with each other for, for decades here. So we've prayed through marital problems, family problems, kid problems, financial problems, church problems, world problems. I and mean, we pray for all of those things and then during the week if we have have an issue we can we have a group text so we can text each other for an emergency thing hey guys this just happened and uh, can you pray for us um, this week and, and the guys all respond hey i'm praying for you it's so awesome to know you have people praying for you who's praying for you the writer of hebrews knew the importance of having support in tough times he knew that if you're going to keep going, if you're going to stay strong, if you're going to persevere, you need each other. Hebrews 10.25 says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Some in COVID got out of the habit of meeting together. If that's you watching online, come back to church. If you've got a health problem, if you've you got to stay home, stay home. But if you just got out of the habit, you need to get back into the habit of going to the house of God. We need each other. We need relationships with each other so that we can grow as parents and sons and daughters and friends and employees and, 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 and go through tough times with people who care. Small groups help us. Number five, small groups make a big impact because people need healing. Listen, there's healing that happens here. I believe people got healing, healed and set free this morning here in this service. I really believe that. But there's another level of healing mentioned in John, James 5.16 that says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each, each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Small groups are one of the best places for this to happen. That, that's why we have a vision for family groups and marriage groups and, and groups where lonely people can build relationships. And in addition, we, have, we want to have groups for people struggling with issues and addictions and life-controlling problems. We want to be there for each other and pray for each other in our time of need and watch God heal us and set us free. Number six, small groups make a big impact because people need to become like Christ. Remember, your destiny is to become more and more like him. That doesn't happen all by yourself. You really won't change if you're not in relationships with others because relationships have a way of bringing stuff out of us that would not be evident in any other way. You know what I'm talking about. There's a certain people bring something out of you. It's like, where did that come from? Well, you need to, you need to know that. And you need to, you need to deal with that. Listen, 
anybody can get, or get along with anybody if they're never with each other. I remember back in the early days when I was an early new, new pastor and I was just starting to counsel and I thought I could change everybody and help everybody and, and, and just be the be just change agent in their life. And God does use me, but people still got to do some work. And I remember this couple, they, they, were, they were having major, massive, horrible problems. And, and, and I met with them week after week after week. And one week they came in and was like, Pastor Joe, we had the best week ever. And I, I kind of, you know, kind of pride started rising up in me. Yeah, Joe, you're doing it right now. You're really starting to help these people, man. Whatever you're doing is so great. And I, I asked them, well, you know, tell me about your week. What, what was it? And I expected to hear them say, well, Pastor Joe, you know them principles you taught us? Or the, man, we really started doing them and it's really working. But they said, well, we had such a great week because my husband was out of town all week. Listen, anybody can have a great week like that they're not around people. But being around people, iron sharpens iron. Being around people brings up things that you need to deal with. That's why small groups help us. Number seven, small groups make a big impact because they provide opportunities to be involved, to discover your gifts, to use your talent. God gave every Christian spiritual gifts. You can see it in 1 Corinthians 12. And he said, I... I give each one of you spiritual gifts to profit everybody. It's not just for you. It's for everybody. And listen, not everybody's going to be able to use their gifts on Sunday morning. Some people do. But in a small group, it provides an opportunity for everybody to use their spiritual gifts. I love what Rick, Rick Warren said. God gave me a gift, not for me, but for you. And God gave you a gift, not for you, but for me. If you don't use your gift, you're depriving me. If I don't use my gift, I'm robbing you. Small groups are one of the ways you can begin to use your spiritual gift. Number eight, small groups make a big impact because they give you an opportunity to minister to others. Listen. Listen close. It's not all about you. It's tempting to think that, but it's not the truth. So you may not be in a big need for friendships, but somebody else may need a friend. You might not be having a big need for to be ministered to right now. But somebody else might need to be ministered to. It's not all about you. See, we get, we get in this place, if I go to the small group, what am I getting out of it? No, if you go to the small group, what can you give to other people? What can you do? What can you give? It's a place of ministry. So get that out of, get that mindset that you go to get, not just to give. Number nine, small groups make a big impact because they provide a way to share Christ with others. You may have, you may have friends that would never darken the door of a church, but they, maybe they would be open to go into a, a small group, a casual Bible discussion at a home, or, or maybe they meet at Starbucks or somewhere. And in a small group, they can ask questions and, and express their doubts without feeling be, being put on the spot. And, and maybe when they feel loved and, and, and the honesty of your group, it will make him feel more receptive to the good news. I don't know if you saw this. This just came to my mind. Did any of you see this report? It was, I think, two weeks ago where this big-time Satanist, I forgot where he's from, he got saved. Anybody, any of y'all see that? Radically changed just by somebody loving him. A Christian loved him hugged him, loved him no matter what he did, no matter what he said, and so messed with his mind that he started reading about Jesus and he ended up becoming a Christian. And, and, and that's what a small group can do. If somebody just comes in and we love them no matter what they do, no matter what they say, we're there for them, we minister to them, it can make a big impact. And then lastly, number 10, small groups make a big impact because we all need help at times. 
We all need help at times. Every single one of us goes through times where we need help. We go through things and, that, that, and we need others to help us. And, and, and so many of us are so, try to be self, self-sufficient and, and we try to do it alone. I know some people get sick or get hurt or something. They, they don't want anybody else to know. Man, if I get sick, I want everybody to know. I want everybody praying for me. If something happens, I'll, I'm putting it on the Facebook. I'm putting it on Twitter. I'm, I'm going to put it everywhere I know. I'm going to call everybody I know. Pray for me. I want people praying because I know I need other people. I need God. And I need his people. Do you remember a few years back that the miracle on the Hudson where U.S. Airways Flight 1549 took off from LaGuardia Airport? And it hit a flock of birds, and it resulted in disabling the engines, and they landed in the, the Hudson River. And what could have resulted in the death of 155 people uh, resulted in not one fatality. Why was that? Well, first of all, the pilot, Chesley Sullenberger, was, was a hero because of the way he landed that plane. But he's not the only hero. It took the efforts of a crew to get everyone safely off the plane. It took a joint efforts of, of hundreds of emergency responders. It took boats and ferries to pick people up. It took helicopter pilots and, and scuba divers. It took EMTs on the scene, ambulance drivers and hospitals. Here's some other agencies that were involved. The New York and New Jersey Police and Fire Departments, U.S. Coast Guard, New York Port Authority, the Office of Emergency Management, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army. It took all those people working together to save 155 people. Lives were saved because people helped people. Not one person was lost because people worked together. What a picture of what the body of Christ should be. We really do need each other. When we go through tough times, we need each other. Even when we feel like life is crashing around us, listen, our small group is our emergency rescue team. They're the people that work together with you. When you're lost, they're your salvation army. When you're wounded, they're your paramedics. When you're drowned, they're your coast guard. When you're in need of food and shelter, they're your Red Cross. Our small groups pray for us and counsel us and, and support us in times of crisis, times of change, times of stress. There's so many people that can testify of how their small group helped them get through a difficult time in their life. And the Bible is very clear that that small groups are important in the life of of a believer. We would never be able to hire enough pastors to, 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 to individually meet every single need, but God has provided a way through small groups and small group leaders for that to happen. happen. This is the model of Jesus. This is the model of the early church. The model has not changed, so let's be the church. Let's build relationships. Let's meet needs. Let's reach out. Together we can touch heaven and change earth. And my hope today is that you will be moved to say, yes, I see the big impact that small groups make, and I want to get connected. And that's my invitation to you tonight. Right now, before we leave today, uh, we're going to have a couple ways for you to respond. We're going to have a time in a little while to pray over you, just as we always do. But I'm asking you to t- for right now to really understand this invitation that's before you, to be a part of a small group that God is raising up in our church. And God has graciously given us, Ken and Sherelle Martin, who are awesome small group leaders, grace group, they oversee the whole ministry. And, the, and I was quitting early to so give them time to come up here and share a little bit about that because they have spent countless hours working over the last few months. It's been going on for months, this work, to, to kind of get this all together. And I wanted them to come up and share a few minutes about how you can get involved in, in small groups. Would you get...